Pastor Ed Taylor says be on the lookout for opportunities to tell others about Jesus. Those who are saved are sent out into everyday life. And it doesn't have to be a weird, goofy thing that the enemy puts you in a corner and you're all afraid to tell someone about Jesus. Everything is a divine setup if you take advantage of it and you're looking for it. Everything's a setup for the Lord to put you in someone's life so that they might hear the good news of Jesus Christ. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Does your heart break for the lost? Keep that question in mind and join us in Romans chapter 9 as we present Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is going to explain why we exist as believers in Christ. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't take us up to heaven the moment we're saved? Well, it's because he has something for us to do. Let's see what that is as we turn things over to Pastor Ed. You know, salvation is an act of love. Jesus was sent by the Father motivated by love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's love. It's a heart of love. It's the gripping emotion of caring for those that are lost. The father gave the son so that the lost would be found and saved. That's why Jesus came. Why? Because God, he passionately pursues the lost. And he sees this world, and he sees this world in two categories. They're not racial categories. They're not political geographical categories. They're just simply two categories as God looks upon the earth. There are the saved and the unsaved. There are those that believe in Jesus Christ and those that don't believe in Jesus Christ. There are those that are connected to God and reconciled, having their sins forgiven, and there are those that are not. And it's love that opens our eyes to the lost. I mean, look at verse 1 of chapter 9 in Romans. It's powerful. Paul, he turns a corner after chapter 7, talking about the wrestlings and the strugglings. Chapter 8 is that mountaintop of the Bible. I mean, it's so huge. It's so wonderful. Chapter 8 opened up with there is therefore now no condemnation. You go through chapter 8. At the end, it ends with there is no separation for Christians. And in between, it's all encouragement. And it's almost as if, I mean, he's running at full speed. You can almost, you could grab the picture. He's just running, 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 running. And then as he's talking about the wonderful, glorious, awesome things that he enjoys as a Christian, as he thinks back on his life when he was rebellious and he didn't have anything to do with God and he was fighting against God, then he got saved. Then everything opened up. It's, you can almost hear the brakes go, and chapter 9 opens up and he says, oh, oh, I tell you the truth. In Christ, I'm not lying. My conscience also bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have a great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. You know, put that in today's terms. Oh, I'm so happy to be a believer. I'm so happy to be free from addiction. I'm so happy to enjoy the things of God. But oh, my friends, they're not saved. My mom, she's not saved. My brother my neighbor. And you've got this intense joy on the one hand and this intense grief on the other. It's a paradox of the Christian life. 
It's a paradox that's been passed down to us because we have such a great love for God, which leads to such a great love for the lost. The heart of God becomes our heart so that when he sees the lost and wants to reconcile, we see the lost now and want to see them reconciled. We want to see duplicated in the world today what God has done in our life. And we have this great joy, this great grief, this great joy, this great sorrow. You know, Jesus, he came to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came. All the miracles that he did, all the words that he shared, all the people that he touched, all the things that have been reserved in God's word about him to seek and to save the lost. Jesus Christ, alive today, moving among us, seeking out the hearts of those of you that are here, determining whether you're saved or lost, whether you're right with God or you're not right with God. Those that are, he encourages and uplifts. He strengthens you. Those that aren't, the Bible says that he convicts you of sin and that separation. The Bible says that from conviction then he'll begin to convince you of your need and you'll respond when the opportunity comes in just a few moments to recognize your need of salvation, to be born again. Oh, the heart of Jesus, to seek and to save the lost. Flip over to Luke chapter 4 as I ask you to open there because Jesus, we have this glimpse at the very beginning of his earthly ministry as he launches out into the world serving the Father and doing the Father's will. He comes into the synagogue here in Nazareth. And the beautiful timing of God is as they had these daily readings, he comes in and they hand him a scroll that would be daily read, the scroll of the day, the section of the day. And it just so happens, you know, nothing just so happens, right? We use that phrase really loosely, but it, nothing just so happens. God set it up beautifully. So that as he walks in, he takes, in verse 17, he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And listen, this is, not only is he reading the scriptures, but it's being fulfilled right in their midst right now. He is speaking as it is right now. Because in verse 21, if you just jump ahead, he says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's happening right now, Jesus says. This is all unfolding. And he begins to say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's come to preach. He says, and, and continually he says, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Even now for some of you, brokenhearted, full of grief and sorrow. It may not just be over the lost. You, you may have lost a loved one recently and it's just still eating you up. You know, things are getting a little bit better. There's been some progress. But I tell you, Jesus has come to mend that broken heart. Jesus has come to encourage you, to give you daily strength. Not just monthly strength, not just yearly strength, but to give you daily strength. And he says to preach deliverance to the captives. You know, to those that are caught up in addiction, to those that seem to think there's no way out, to those that just present themselves to alcohol, to drugs, to internet pornography, to all the junk that tears people down, to stealing, to lying, to gossiping. And you think, you know, I'm just addicted to that kind of stuff. I'll never get out. Jesus has come to set you free. Freedom. I mean, he comes, he says, this is fulfilled in your presence. This is why I've come, to preach deliverance to the captives. He says, and recovery of sight to the blind as he brings not only physical sight, but spiritual sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus came to see people freed by bringing them into a relationship with himself to be right with his father. 
It's a good time for us to pause and look at why we exist as a church. Because I believe every church has been started by God for a purpose and a reason. We need to really understand why we exist. Why does Calvary Chapel exist right here on this corner in this place? Why would God assemble a group of people together that just nine, ten years ago wasn't here? That's how fast God moves when he wants to reach a people. This church didn't exist ten years ago. It did in the heart of God, but not for any of us. It was just a prayer for some. Just like, oh, Lord, I want to see this, and I want to see this happen. And so why do we exist What is the reason God would assemble us together as a body of believers? You know, it's an important distinction, even as you're beginning to ask your question about yourself. Why do I exist and why has God brought me here onto this earth? Where has he put me in this job? Why why has he done this over here? Why is he doing this here? It's important that we don't just write down what we think and then ask God to bless it. You know, a lot of people are doing that. Oh, I think I'm here for this. This is why we exist and this is a great mission statement. So here's all the paperwork, God. Bless it. That's backwards. The frontwards part is say, God, what do you want? What's your desire for my life? And through prayer and diligently seeking God, he begins to reveal. And you know, for us, we don't have a very large, elaborate mission statement, vision statement. It's not very large. It's not very elaborate. As a matter of fact, we've summarized it down into just three words of why we exist. And for those of you that don't know or haven't heard, let me lay it out for you. You want to take some notes. It's very, very simple. But you can answer the question, why do we exist? Number one, we exist to win, to win a person to Jesus Christ. The vision of this church, very simple. We exist at Calvary Chapel. Our vision is evangelism. That's our vision, evangelism, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. That's it. There's nothing more that we do or exist for but to share the love of Jesus Christ, evangelism. And our responsibility is to win a person to Jesus Christ. Flip over to Mark chapter 16. Let me show you what I mean. Look at Mark's gospel chapter 16. And don't think by the word win that it's our responsibility. Like we're just going to get a belt with all kinds of notches on it. Go, look who I have won. I have won every... No, it's not that at all. As a matter of fact, the Bible uses the word win in relation to evangelism many times. Paul would talk about how he became all things to all men so that he might win the more. And what he means is that he would draw people to Jesus Christ so that Jesus would save them. We don't save anyone. Oh, I love this. As you're turning to Mark, you can jot this down in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. I love this verse. In Proverbs eleven thirty, it says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Isn't that great? There is wisdom in telling someone else about their need of Jesus Christ. And the one that's being used, the two that's being used, the 50 that's being used, those of you that God is using, well, you're wise is spending your time in sharing with someone their need for Jesus Christ. In Mark's gospel, chapter 16, very simply in verse 15, Jesus says this, go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. Yes. They go, hey, pastor boy up there. That's your job. And in a very real sense, my responsibility as a pastor is to preach the gospel. And I try to do that every opportunity that is there and presented before me. But do you know it's your responsibility too? It's not like just pastor boy's responsibility. It's your responsibility that you are a preacher of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. Why would we gather together? Is it just a big social club? That's it. We're coming to church because it's social hour, just hanging out with the brothers, you know, hanging out with the sisters, catching up on everything that's going on with your kids and your family. No, that's not what church is about. 
It's not some religious activity. So, well, I've done my duty this week. Calvary Chapel Aurora exists so I can do my duty. No. We exist to win the loss. That's why we exist. Everything that we do goes through the grid of how will this help someone get saved? How will it help? How will it bring someone to the knowledge of Jesus Christ? How will it help us to share the good news that Jesus is alive and desires all to repent and believe in him? And God has chosen us. And so when we look at the vision of our church, it's win a person to Jesus Christ. Number two, disciple a person in Jesus Christ. Because once a person is saved, they need to be taught and developed. To disciple a person, to train them. In Matthew's version of the Great Commission, he says to go into all the world and make disciples. And so in the grid of how we, how we do what we do and why we do what we do, we have to ask the question, is this discipling a person in Jesus Christ, is it rooting them in his word? Is it giving them opportunity to exercise their gifts? Is it bringing them under the authority of God's word and what God's word has to say about their life and what God's word has to say about everything that they do? Is there discipleship going on? Because if there's not discipleship going on, then we don't need to be doing that and spending our time in that area. It's important that we are built up and discipled and rooted and grounded in God's word. Understanding that we need to trust him. Because once a person gets saved, we then have the privilege of leading them to Jesus. Where they'll be taught and built up. Because everyone that learns from Jesus will be like their master, Jesus said. That's cool. That's encouraging. So we win. The Lord uses us to win a person to him. Then disciple a person to him. And number three, the third word is simply send. That in the developed discipleship, and as you have mature believers, then we're sent out into the world to see it all duplicate all over again. That you are sent out. That in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Jesus does, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and the Holy Spirit baptizes you and empowers you, you'll become witnesses. And you'll begin to tell people about Jesus Christ. That's why when we see new believers here, one of the first things we tell them to do besides read their Bible and be in church and pray is to tell somebody what happened in their life. Go tell your wife what happened. Go tell your husband. Go tell your parents. Go tell your friends. Say, this is what's happened in my life. To give the power of a testimony that God is alive and living in us today. And so we have the privilege to go out and to, say, to, to be sent out into the highways and byways of life. It's not just some pastor's position. It's not just some leader's position. And I know some of you are still very apprehensive and hesitant about telling somebody about Jesus. You're very uncomfortable about it. You're, you're totally afraid. It's one of your phobias, looking someone in the eye and saying, hey, you know, you did, what do you think about your soul? Oh, I've never talked to anybody about their soul. It's crazy, isn't it? We don't have any problem talking sports with people. We, really, for a lot, you, you know, you have crafts. You don't get to talk about crafts, ladies. You can talk about hobbies. You can talk about, you got the new cell phone. You can talk about everything. But when it comes to talking about Jesus Christ, it's, it's just quiet. And yet God has put you in so many different places, touching so many different people, that it can be a very natural way to take everything back to Jesus. Very, very natural it doesn't have to be some weird thing. You're like, oh, this isn't a message about evangelism, is it? Yes, it is. The Bible is a message about evangelism. Every page drips with the love of God saying, hello, everyone. I love you. I care for you. I've sacrificed for you. Come back to me. We're separated. Our relationship's been severed. That's the entire message of the Bible. And so, yeah, it is an evangelism message this morning because that's where Paul's heart is. And it doesn't have to be weird. You don't have to get, oh, do I have to go out into the street and scream, you are dying and going to hell? No, you don't have to do that. 
As a matter of fact, that's probably going to turn people off. Say, oh, you don't mean, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon me and I, I just can't control it, man. I'm just going to be screaming and yelling like I'm going to be there at King Supers with a loaf of bread in my hand. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit's just going to come upon me and I've got to stand up and say, Jesus is the bread of life. <laughs> no. It's a very natural thing. You know how the cable guy comes and he sets your thing up and he hits a couple problems and as the cable guy's there, he's not, you know, it usually takes him 15 minutes, but in your house, it takes an hour. And if you're in the flesh, you'll get all upset about it. I've got to go somewhere, man. It's an hour right now. Why can't you do 15 minutes like my neighbor? Why am I standing and why are you easy? And why is the cable guy in your house for an hour? Because you're a Christian. And you can love that guy or that gal. You can start to talk to them. I man, it looks like you're having problems today. Yeah, I'm having problems today. And, you know, it just, I can't believe it. Every other house I've done today, it's only taken 15, 20 minutes. But I don't understand why your house is taking an hour. He goes, hey, man, can I get you a cup of coffee? Yeah, I could really use a cup of coffee. And, and so how's your life going? What do you mean, how's my life going? I can't get your, you know, you get that conversation. And before you know it, the cable guy, the cable gal says, how did you know my marriage was a mess? And you're like, I had no idea. But I'll tell you what, God has sent you into my house today so I could tell you about Jesus Christ. I mean, that's your house. That's set apart for the work of God. That's your sanctuary. And people come into your house and people come by your cubicle. And every open door, every opportunity is a place to connect, a place to say, you know, Jesus Christ loves you. It's not just words we share in church. It's a words that we share with those that are around us very naturally, very normally. That's what God, he says, listen, this is why I've saved you so that I might reach one. I've saved one so I might reach one. I've saved you so you might reach someone else. I would dare say that if we took a poll here today and we said, okay, believers, you are saved today. How did God do it? Everyone's going to answer. God did it through a person. So, well, no, Ed, God did it through a radio broadcast. I know. And a person was teaching, right? Yeah. No, it was a TV show. And a person was teaching, right? Oh, it was a track that just dropped out of the air onto my front porch. I know. And a person wrote that track, huh? And dropped it from a plane somewhere. <laughs> or he's up on the roof, like, just dropping it down as you... <laughs> I would dare say that God has used a person in your life to reach you just as he's going to use you in someone else's life to reach someone else. I mean, you go back now from when disciples sin, and you can see it and hear it from Paul's lips in Romans chapter 9. Those who are saved are sent out into everyday life. And it doesn't have to be a weird, goofy thing that the enemy puts you in a corner and you're all afraid to tell someone about Jesus. Everything is a divine setup if you take advantage of it and you're looking for it. Everything's a setup for the Lord to put you in someone's life so that they might hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Just in the normal, natural flow of everyday life. A life with no regrets. Invested in the kingdom of God and in the souls of men. Because if you really look at the scriptures, there are two things that the Bible will reveal to us that are eternal here on the earth. And that is the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but Jesus said, my words will by no means pass away. The word of God is eternal. It's settled in heaven. And the other eternal thing that's on the earth today is what? The souls of men. That's what will pass from here to there. And so as a fellowship of believers, as a church family, we invest a lot of time 
a majority of our time, almost all of our time, to the best of our ability, into the souls of men and into the word of God. That's what Jesus came to do, to see people saved. And so we open up in Romans 9 and Paul puts on the brakes. He goes, listen, I'm busted up over this. I can't take it. I'm tore up. I have a broken heart. I have a broken heart because my brothers, the Jews, are not saved. Pray that God would give you that heart that breaks for the lost. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Pastor Ed Taylor is just getting started in Romans chapter 9. His message, Does Your Heart Break for the Lost?, can be heard again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, as you were touching on some of the reasons we exist, namely to win a person to Jesus and disciple a person in Christ, I was wondering if you'd relate that to the unique opportunities we have in the midst of a global crisis. I always enjoy, Larry, sharing with our church the fundamental vision that God has given to us, our, you know, our purpose, what, why, why God would start a new church 20 years ago in a city that had and still has very many good churches, solid churches, effective churches, let alone not just in our city, but in our state, our country, and our world. So what is the uniqueness of why God would raise up a new fellowship? And for us, it is to have an evangelistic uh, goal and knowing that everything and anything that we're involved in can be a bridge for the gospel. And not only that, but for believers to root them and ground them in the Word of God and teach them to follow Jesus uh, are fundamental. They're fundamental to who we are. And how does that apply in a time like this? Well, it applies very much the same as not in a time, you know, when things are different, more comfortable. You know, what's really changed is uh, some big changes is that we are, first of all, not able to gather together, of course. But we're also limited now in our ability to connect with people physically, uh, you know, face to face. So now we have some creative ways. God has forced us to be innovative and creative and use the technology that we have in our hands, in our pockets, and in our purses to reach out and touch someone and minister to someone and and do what we've always been mandated to do. See, part of this, uh, the crisis is hard and difficult, and that's a dramatic change. Uh, but but some, some of what God is doing among us is not traumatic change at all. We've always been called to reach out, minister, serve, check in on, love, care. Uh, we, that, that has always been God's responsibility entrusted to us. And so as we think of that, beautiful mandate to win, disciple, and send, we think of, okay, Lord, you haven't changed. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. What is it that you want us to do in the midst of global change? How is it that you want us to respond to the global change around us? And I think as hard as it is, there are some tremendous open doors laid before us, and I'm looking forward to hearing in the coming years, I was saved during that t- pandemic. Can't you wait to hear those testimonies? I was saved. I came back to the Lord. I stopped wandering. I laid down that habit. My God saved my marriage, and on and on the list is going. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that, Pastor Ed. Here in the month of April, we picked out an excellent book written by Chuck Smith called Faith, 
As the title would suggest, this book is all about faith and the key to a successful Christian life. Pastor Chuck explains how faith takes you by the hand and walks you from one level of maturity to another. Using examples from the Bible and illustrations he's gleaned from the ministry, Pastor Chuck lays out a strong case for faith. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Just call us at 877-30-GRACE and ask for faith. And even if you're not in a position to be able to give to the ministry, we'd still like to hear from you. Pastor Ed loves to read listener emails and letters. It's easy to contact us through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com when you click on Contact. Leave a prayer request or send Pastor Ed a question. Look over some of our quick links while you're there. There you'll find our podcast, other sermons taught by Pastor Ed, and even his blog. All that and more at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Don't miss our next study in Romans here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 